98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station. Yeah, could I have a number three with cheese and uh, a large coffee? And does this smell good? Wolfen down your lunch. <laughs> Serving up today's top sports stories with Wolfen Luke. See, boys. This is where I take you guys through some of the top stories of, of the day. Yeah. Me, Aaron Maloney, you, Spencer Keatsman, and Tim Ring filling in for Wolf and Luke. So we'll just start things off with some big news today from Cliff Kingsbury. Cardinals receiver DeAndre Hopkins is receiving a second opinion after having an MRI on his leg injury. So his Cards head coach, Cliff Kingsbury, concerned that his injury could be long-term, and is there a chance Hop could play on Sunday? Uh, I, I won't know until he gets back with that second opinion, so we'll, we'll kind of wait until we see. The good news, though, James Conner is day-to-day after receiving an MRI as well yesterday. But a second opinion is never oh, good. Don't like so that. how concerning is this? Oh, it's really concerning. E, I mean... Look, it, it's conventional wisdom that you go to get a second opinion because you didn't quite like what the first opinion was. Mm-hmm. And for DeAndre Hopkins, he was battled some injuries this season. You know, he's been a pillar of strength. I mean, he's he's out there for for sixteen national anthems in the past sixteen game seasons. Of course, this is a guy who doesn't miss games, and now you go get a second opinion. Look, I at, at this point. I don't want to speculate, but but I hate to say it, but my 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 gut feeling is, oh my gosh, you know, is Hopkins potentially lost for the season? Yeah, I, I, I mean, because if you're if, if they're if they're getting a second, listen, if it was, if the first opinion was he's got a sprained knee, he's going to be out one or two weeks, you wouldn't get a second opinion on that unless there's something I'm missing, you know. So obviously, whatever they were told, they wanted to double check and make sure of, and I you know, so I don't I don't. We're going to find out more later. But, yeah, am I concerned right now about the severity of the injury? Absolutely, Spencer. Of course you are. And and Hopkins has been questionable pretty much for every game for at least the last couple months. So you wonder the longevity of what's going to happen and how this plays out. What's next, Aaron? Steph Curry is the new three-point king of the NBA. The Golden State Warriors star guard became the all-time leader in three-pointers Tuesday night in a 105-96 win over the Knicks. Passing Hall of Famer Ray Allen by knocking down the 2,974th of his career. Here's Steph after the game. I never want to call myself the greatest shooter until I got this record, so I'm comfortable saying that now. So ending it here, guys, is Steph Curry the greatest shooter in NBA history? He's definitely the most prolific shooter in the last 10 years or so. There's no question about that. Oh, come that. on. Yes, uh, he is. Go ahead. Well, I Go mean, ahead. Th- say your piece. You got you to look at the era before the three-point line. I mean, there was obviously some great shooters in there. But, I mean, absolutely. He is a top three shooter all time in the NBA. Larry Bird, for me, was always the greatest shooter of all time. Of certainly in my lifetime. I don't think right now. Forget, I mean, forget the sheer numbers. I mean, Steph Curry has blown away Larry Bird in terms of three pointers made, and he. I mean, no, nobody will. I don't. I don't think when it's all said, Curry's thirty three. I, I don't think anybody's ever going to touch Steph Curry's record when it's all said and done. The only guy I, I actually who has a shot might be James Harden, our very own Arizona State Sun Devil, may have a an outside shot at Steph Curry. But for for me, Steph Curry. I have never seen a shooter like this in my lifetime. Good shooters get hot, and they stay hot, and they go into a zone here and there. Steph Curry seems like he's in the zone 
about 80% of the time. He is by far the best and most deadly three-point shooter in the history of the NBA. I will die on that hill. Aaron Maloney. Thanks, Aaron. Do you know a high school student with great character? We want to hear about them and how they make an impact on our community. Just text the word STUDENT to 62620 and share their story. What's in it for them? A $10,000 scholarship from Parker and Sons and Arizona Sports. Text STUDENT to 62620. The nominee must be a resident of Maricopa County to be eligible. What did the Suns prove last night with their win over Portland? We'll get into that next on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Wolf and Luke Middays, 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. Spencer Keatsman and Tim Ring filling in today. Um, real quickly, a story that just came out in the NFL. Las Vegas was awarded the Super Bowl for 2024, and that's no surprise there. That was going to be a unanimous vote. One, Tim, I can't think of a better place to have a Super Bowl. I mean, <laughs> I'm going to go. I, I feel like I need to go just because it's in Vegas. And two... Mark Davis, the owner of the Raiders, who just made the announcement, uh, we're sitting here watching NFL Network in the studio. Does that guy own a mirror? Because I'm wondering, the, the hair, and this has been a problem for years, it, it's the, the Dumb and Dumber Lloyd Christmas bowl cut. I mean, usually, it, What is that? Usually there's a woman in the picture that can say, honey, no, we're not doing this. Come on, we're going, we'll go to my salon. Okay. <laughs> Figure this out okay. in uh, some way. Rodrigo is going to take care of you. He's fantastic. <laughs> Um, Spencer, real quick. So I've had the good fortune of covering four Super Bowls, I want to say, five maybe, all in different spots. And I've always maintained over over the, the, the we're going way back now, I've always maintained of all the different, like the typical Super Bowl locations, right? right? New Orleans was to me always the best. And the reason for that was there was one central party location. Bourbon Street, obviously. And the arenas or the stadium's close. Stadium's close. Yeah. And all the hotels are close. So it is one, you know, centralized party for the week leading up to the game. For the media, for the fans, for the fans that, that live in the city. Like it is like the spot. Every and everything's convenient from a media standpoint. As opposed to, you know, let's be honest, Phoenix really spread out. Pockets of parties, different people staying, people renting houses, mm-hmm. people turning it into a golf trip, yada, yada, yada. Maybe people really staying in Glendale. I don't know. Uh, San Diego, a little bit like that. I wanted to put Miami, a little bit like that. I've been but to the one Las- in Dallas, and it was the same way, because the, the one I went to in Dallas was a nightmare because they had a ice storm that week. It was ten years and ago. Then there's weather with, it, it, with because Dallas did yes. they didn't ex, they don't know how to handle an ice storm there. They don't really get them, and, it, and it's just sort of a freak thing. But yeah, I mean the stadiums in Arlington they had parties in Fort Worth and in downtown Dallas. It was kind of a mess, man. It was spread out all over the place. But yeah, but I mean, you're going to get the best of everything in that Vegas, New Orleans yeah. in Vegas. hundred percent. You talk about one centralized area. I mean, it's the Strip and the yeah. stadium. If you haven't been there, is literally. Right off the, I can't say it's on the strip, but it it, it might as well be. Mm-hmm. And the, obviously, with the hotels and the gambling and the nightclubs and the bars and the shows, I mean, listen, the Super Bowl is going to be back in Vegas as quickly as possible, and that will continue as long as we are all on this planet. One hundred percent. And <laughs> to the Suns last night, uh, obviously, Chris Paul having a great game. Uh, Damian Lillard had a good game on the other hand for Portland, but he got shut down. 
at the end of the game. And Monty Williams talks about Chris Paul and what they wanted to do defensively at the end of that basketball game. Well, he wanted it. There was a there was a point where because we were trying to send him a certain way, and it was it was getting hard for Cam Johnson to do it. And Chris wanted that matchup. And one of those times was when he got the steal. Um, he got a hand on the ball, fell on the ground, and we were able to get possession. So, you know, I'd love to sit here and tell you that I chess pieced that thing out. It did not work out that way. Our guys made plays. 100%. Listen, Chris, Chris, listen, yeah. Chris, Chris Paul may give up some height to Damian Lillard. Chris Paul, is he's thick. Mm-hmm. Like, he is a stocky thick, strong dude. And I don't mean that. That's a compliment when I say thick. Like, he is tough. He is rock solid. He's also a winner, and he's a competitor. And also, the the older you get, the more veteran savvy uh, you have. You know, you know all the little tricks of the trade when it comes to playing defense. And for a short period of time, uh, he got the job done. Damian Lillard hit a three, I think, with a couple of minutes, maybe three minutes left in regulation but then had ample opportunity in the final minutes of regulation and the overtime for Dame time to happen, and it did not. He came up short time and time again, uh, missing his three-point attempts. And conversely, uh, Chris Paul continues again, Spence, to carry that clutch cargo. Uh, He is by far right now in 2021 the best clutch performer in the NBA, bar none. Even the guy playing in Brooklyn, uh, the metrics and the stats do not lie. Chris Paul is second to none when it comes to performing in the clutch late in games here this season. And Chris Paul last night talking about taking Damian Lillard on head to head. Yeah, dang, so crafty, man. But luckily, I, you know, back in my Clipper days and whatnot, I guarded Dame every game. You know what I mean? So it was winning time, and I knew, you know, uh, Kale had been, you know, tired somewhat, you know, and he was playing through a lot of stuff. So I just said, let me let me guard him for a little while to, to make it a little bit tougher on him. Yeah, and Chris Paul's been in the Western Conference for a long time. So he's seen a lot of Damian Lillard and he's taken him on head to head quite a bit. I mean, when you when you play a guy that many times, you figure you 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 pick up on stuff over the years, tendencies, which way he likes to go, you know, stuff like that. So uh, I I imagine that when you've got a guy like Chris Paul, who's such a good defensive player to begin with, just knowing your opponent is, is going to you know do wonders for you, especially in a close game during crunch time. It's hard to believe Chris Paul's really only been here for just over a year, but it feels like, like it's a lot longer. I, I mean, I mean, you talk about listen, you you can go back and talk about. You know, Magic Johnson joining the Lakers, Larry Bird joining the Celtics, Jordan getting drafted by the Bulls in 84. But, I mean, the, the singular impact on a franchise Chris Paul has made on the Suns team in just 12 months. Because unlike those other guys, he wasn't a rookie that had to evolve with a new team. I mean, he was he was a ready-made Hall of Famer. And it wasn't that long ago, I mean, the Suns were struggling to win 17 games in a season. Mm-hmm. And here they are winning 17 games in a row, 18 games in a row. And are clearly a finals contender again. We're splitting hairs. We want to argue who's the best team in the league right now. That's fine, whatever. But clearly, you know, this Suns team and and Paul, even in a game like last night, he doesn't give regular season games away. Yeah, it's a it's a Tuesday night game, the second half of second night of a back to back against Portland on the road. That's a game where you know a lot of teams are like, eh, let's just get home. You know, win or lose, whatever. Chris Paul doesn't give games away. And, and the effort he gave last night and the determination to not let his team lose is is why the Suns are, 
you know, not only a great team, but from a fan standpoint and a media standpoint, Spencer, they are destination viewing because every single night they're going to give you their all and they're going to try to win a game. They're going to try to win a game. No matter how tired they are, no matter how hurt they are, they're going to go out there like it's game six of the Western Conference Finals and they're going to try to win that game. And that's exactly what happened last night. Yeah, I've had multiple friends from across the country texting me telling me that the Phoenix Suns games, not just the team, but the games they play in, are some of the most entertaining NBA games they've seen this year. Text us your thoughts on the Phoenix Suns to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. Coming up next, what did John Bloom see from the Suns? We'll get a courtside seat perspective from the Suns radio broadcaster. That's next on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Wolf and Luke Middays, 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. Spencer Keatsman and Tim Ring filling in for Wolf and Luke and joining us now is Suns radio broadcaster, John Bloom. Bloomer, how we doing, my man? Pretty well, Spencer. Good to uh, be on with you guys and uh, good to be able to talk about a very exciting win uh, last night on the road in Portland. And uh, yep. it was certainly a, a key bounce back after probably the most disappointing game of the season the night before in L.A. Yeah, John, I mean, I mean, listen, we can get into the details in a bit, but just, you know, <laughs> for for opening remarks, what that was just a heck of a basketball game. I mean, that was entertaining. Uh, and I know I know the Blazers are not exactly having a great uh, season. They're on a bit of a losing streak, but they do have one of the best clutch closers in the game. I mean, for a Tuesday night in December, that that was competitive, that was hard fought, that was well played. That was a whole heck of a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Uh, and it was awesome to be there. I mean, I, Tim and I were surprised. Tim Kempton, that is, were surprised that uh, there weren't more fans there, to be honest. It was yeah. uh, the, probably the least amount of people I've ever seen in a, in a Portland game. And I've done a handful of games there. And Tim said the same thing. He's been to a lot more than I have. Uh, but they brought the energy down the stretch because their team, you know, came back. They, they they dug a hole for themselves like the Suns had earlier the night before, and uh, they got down 14. They battled back. Like you said, Damian Lillard's going to keep you in most games, although last night, you know, he was chucking up a lot of shots, and he wasn't having that same type of accuracy that we've seen him have before, especially when it came down to the stretch, which is no longer, I think, Dame time. I think nope. it's now CP3 time, CP3 isn't it? CP3 time. <laughs> Absolutely. You got that right, brother. Bloomer, I, <laughs> I, I was watching that game last night, and there's no doubt that with the way the Phoenix Suns have been playing uh, last year and this year, they're going to get everybody's best shot in the NBA. I mean, when you're the top dog in the Western Conference, I guess technically they are not the top dog right now. The Warriors are. Um, but Phoenix is going to get everyone's best shot. I'm watching that Portland team last night wondering how they've lost 17 games because that kind of felt like a playoff game. It looked like a playoff game. Portland was playing at a pretty high level, and the Suns, to their credit, able to get the job done. Yeah, you know, it is an interesting case of the Blazers. I have an anticipation that by the time we get to April, they're going to be a better basketball team uh, than they are now, and their win-loss record should show it. But you're right, them being six games below 500 is not uh, necessarily where they should be from a talent standpoint. And you got to remember, they've got Chauncey Billups as a rookie head coach. He's learning the ways. He hasn't had a ton of coaching experience to begin with. He does have some experience on his bench with him, but that doesn't necessarily mean that – 
you know, he's going to be able to be in the right spot to make the right decisions. And he took a lot of it on himself before the game last night in his pregame media press conference talking about how he needs to find ways to put his team in better positions down the stretch of games. They just don't have a ton of confidence and discipline in crunch time. Can we say that that's the exact opposite of what the Suns are displaying this season? Confidence and discipline in crunch time has been a clinic for Chris Paul and company. And uh, if they can keep that up, I mean, this, this guy's the limit for this basketball team. And I think as far as technicalities are concerned, you may say that the Warriors have the better record <laughs> by a half game because they've played one more game than the Suns. They're 23-5 and five and the Suns are 22-5. and five. But I would pretty much call it a wash, Spencer, since yeah. they're 1-1 one and one, and it's leading us up to what should be just a phenomenal battle on Christmas Day. Ah, you know what? The Suns are better. I'll say it. Tim Ring says the Suns are better than the Golden State Warriors. You put that down, print it, mark it down, <laughs> John Bloom. Hey, Bloomer, you know, we're almost running out of things to say about Chris Paul, but we're going to have to try here after what, again, he did last night. You know, 24-14, and 14, uh, but also, you know, the, the defense and the rebounding numbers were there. He took 19 shots, but again, you talk about the closeout ability of Paul. Not, nine of those 19 were in the fourth quarter and the overtime, and I talked about it earlier today. That the Chris Paul fifteen footer, twelve footer on the right side of the key is becoming one of the most deadliest closeout fourth quarter shots for a championship contender since Michael Jordan's fadeaway back in the late nineties. I mean, Chris Paul's ability to get to that spot and knock that shot down in clutch moments has been unbelievable. But, of course, when you talk about Paul Bloomer, it's more than that. I mean, he was setting DeAndre Ayton up time and time again last night. What a a competitor. What a winner. Bloomer, take the floor. (laughs) The team knows exactly what he's going to do. It's not like they're not watching the film before before every game. It's not like he's at the top of the scouting report. It's not like every player in the league grew up watching this guy play. Right, it's amazing. His, his peer and played against him his whole career, and yet every single game he's getting someone caught on that rip-through move right at the right time because he has the best sense for time and score. He knows exactly what the situation of the game is, and he's going to take advantage of guys, even if they are veterans, like a Robert Covington who got caught in the act last night a couple of times. And, uh, and it is a huge advantage to have a guy using those type of mental maneuvers on the floor during a stretch of a game where if you aren't mature, if you haven't been in the league and been in those positions a lot of the time, you're just in a downright mismatch. It's almost like the guys who would climb into the ring against a young Mike Tyson. He beat him before they got in that ring, didn't he? Yeah. I mean, and with DeAndre Ayton as well, uh, Bloom, because – I'm just looking at the stat comparison from, you know, 19 games this year that he's played in uh, compared to what he was able to do throughout a full season last year. I mean, his stat, his slashes, he's already averaging about a point higher in pretty much every category. I mean, he's got a, a rebound more a game this year. His shooting percentage is about the same, but uh, he's averaging two points more a game this year. He's averaging, uh, you know, more field goals made a game this year. So as you look at him now at age 23, he seems to be progressing still, which obviously is 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 a great thing because everyone says it about Aiton. The sky's the limit. Yeah. What what is it about him this year that you've seen in these first few, you know, a short sample size compared to a full season last year? 
I think it's more of the same, Spencer. I think it's just being encouraged because you know that there's still room for growth in this young man, and so does he, and he's taking advantage of that, and he's filling out. And and how can you continue to expect a guy to grow when he's already been so good? I mean, I, I do believe DeAndre Ayton is one of the best big men in the league. He's proving it again, uh, you know, and, and he's going to have an opportunity to get even better, which is scary for the rest of the league. Uh, he, when he's engaged on defense, it's not the block shots like last night I don't think he got credited for a block I think he should have maybe one or two but he didn't get it in the stat sheet but how many shots did he alter at the rim even from Damian Lillard I mean Lillard shoots 31 times he makes 11 of them he gets 31 points but I'd say out of the 20 misses uh, 10 were bothered by DeAndre Hayden mm-hmm. and uh, that might not be uh, you know a stretch to say that so uh, that's a huge difference that he makes on the basketball court and uh, it was great to see him back last night you know seeing him on the road he seemed like he was in good spirits and he was healthy enough to be on the bench the night before and uh, supporting his team but just not ready to play and then he certainly had the energy at on high as soon as the jump ball was thrown up last night yeah John Bloomy I also I and I talk about this on the on the Suns post game shows when I have the the good fortune to be able to fill in for you. This Suns supporting cast, they are they they are a huge reason you know, why the Suns are who they are and where they are atop the standings. The ability of Mikel Bridges uh, to do what he can do on both sides of the ball, and then Monty's got the ability. We saw it last night. He gave Cam Johnson the minutes down the stretch because Monty wanted that. You know, outside shooting, Cam's probably a little more consistent with that than Mikel is, and Cam he was able to knock down a, a, a big three. Jake Crotter, I love what he does. There was a play last night. I'm not sure how many people noticed it. Uh, Damian Lillard should have had a, a pop-out wide-open three in, on a kind of a helter-skelter, loose ball situation, and Jake Crotter was the closest son to Damian Lillard, and Jake Crowder got out on him, closed down on the shooter, and would not let Lillard uh, get a shot off. Little things like that, time and time again, that lead to victory. When you talk about the Suns supporting cast, I think they're phenomenal. And Campaign, who's been struggling as of late, found a little bit of a groove last night, putting the ball in the bucket. And again, these these guys, we obviously it's Paul and it's Aiton and it's Booker when he's healthy. But but these other guys, Bloomer, are, are, are the reason... You know why the Suns are a great team and not just a good team. Yeah, no doubt. And, uh, you know, you're always going to start with the headliners, right, Tim? I mean, you know the drill. Uh, that's the A block for for the TV personalities like yourself. <laughs> yes. You're going to put those guys in that first block of the program. But in right. this case, you can't sleep on those guys. Both camps have been huge, like you mentioned. Uh, I, was, I thought it was funny. Monty Williams, before the game, took a little shot at campaign because he talked about how the team has a let it fly mentality. And then he said, well, maybe except for campaign because he gets in my crawl a little bit with some of his shots and cam you know again it's that uh that memory like a goldfish to take ted lasso uh uh you know nomenclature here and and use a a phrase from that you got to have that memory where it's just uh you miss the last shot doesn't matter because you're going to beat that guy off the dribble and he was beating guys off the dribble routinely the last couple nights but he wasn't getting that runner to go and then in crunch time he did make a couple big ones uh still had that confidence and that is huge uh and i think that's monty williams so again you mentioned uh, the role players, we got to talk about them. But then we also have to talk about the leadership of this team and the entire coaching staff, Monty and 
all of his guys have done a wonderful job uh, because this team feels the utmost in confidence from their staff that they can go play the way that they play. And that's why we're seeing what we see almost on a nightly occasion. I know L.A. was a little bit of a hiccup. I don't expect to see a lot more games like that, though. They were depleted, uh, you know, from a standpoint of the roster. And, uh, you know, the Clippers uh, are a team that that, uh, goes hard pretty much all the time. And that was just a, a bad confluence of events. But now they bounce back. They get the big win in Portland. It's not an easy place to play, even when they don't have C.J. McCollum. And, you know, Devin Booker wasn't there for the Suns. Yeah, that's right. And, and they continue to roll. So this is uh, it's one of those deals where I think this team, as good as they are right now, have not even hit their stride. And that is wacky to say when they already have an 18-game win streak in their back pocket. <laughs> Absolutely. John <laughs> Bloom of the Phoenix Suns Radio Network, thanks for coming on. Appreciate my it, man, I'm going to text you off air about our Pinnacle High School pioneers. They had a little bit of a tough season, so we can uh, dive into that yeah, when we uh, did. at another time. <laughs> so, uh, Bloomer, thanks for joining us and uh, look forward to hearing from you down the road. All right, thanks, guys. Take it easy. All money. right, the Jerry Colangelo Classic returns to downtown Phoenix for a packed schedule this Friday and Saturday. This two-day showcase will feature a variety of teams, including Gonzaga, Texas, USC, and Grand Canyon University, and a few more. Get your tickets at Ticketmaster.com or head to the contest page on ArizonaSports.com for your chance to win tickets. Paul Calvisi is going to join us at one, but first, how concerned should we be with the Cardinals offense if James Conner and DeAndre Hopkins have to miss some games down the stretch with an injury? That's next on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Wolf and Luke Middays, 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. The Arizona Cardinals coming off a tough loss Monday night. Uh, even tougher news today, Tim Ring. I'm Spencer Keatsman, and we kind of had a, you know, you get a feeling that something like this was coming with Hopkins because he's been battling some things all year, injury-wise, and then he leaves the game limping off the field, and then the next series after that, when garbage time, essentially, um, I wouldn't say garbage time. The Cardinals, I guess, had a chance to yeah, get I mean, into Hail Mary range. Well, if you but, want, if you want any I mean, receiver in the game catching, you uh, want it to be Hail him. Mary. But I was referring to James Conner, who also lived yeah, off the field I with mean, 23 seconds left in the game. And it, it literally added injury to insult <laughs> at that point because the Rams clearly outplayed the Cardinals all night on Monday night. And uh, the Cardinals had no answer for that pass rush. They just got dominated up front. But then on top of that, the two two of your three guys who you really, really need on offense to make a playoff run, in my opinion, they're they're questionable right now. Well, James Conner, right after the game, said, I'll probably be all right. It looks like whatever the MRI result is on him. Now, will he play Sunday? That I don't know. Look, it's but, the Lions. If you're going to miss a game. And also, uh, okay. also Chase Edmonds is, is getting back and getting healthy again. Now, Chase Edmonds is not having the season James Conner is. He's very serviceable. You though. are. But if you got to go into the Lions game with, with Chase Edmonds, okay, that, that's what you do. The, the bigger question here is Hopkins. Now, l- let's not kid ourselves. If the Cardinals are getting a second opinion... Uh, my 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 gut feeling, conventional wisdom, it would be reasonable. I'll give it every qualifier I have because I don't know. It would be reasonable to assume uh, they were not quite thrilled with the first opinion. Um, you could, I guess, make the case that the first opinion was a good one, but to make sure that they don't really severely put Hopkins in danger, let's get a second opinion to make sure 
what this injury is all about. But having said that, conventional wisdom tells me that when it comes to a second opinion situation, more times than not, it concerns surgery. Mm-hmm. Because you don't like the first one. Here's Cliff well, Kingsbury. You, you need it. You um, don't. You do. You need it. You don't. You right. Do need, I mean, so that it it, it involves surgery. It, again, if it was before we get to the Kingsbury bite, if it was just he's got a sprained knee, it's going to be three weeks. I'm not sure they're getting a second opinion on that. You ready for an earth shattering report from Cliff Kingsbury on his concerned with the Hopkins injury? Yeah, I'm sure it here will. it is. Yeah, I won't know until he gets back with that second opinion. So <laughs> we'll kind of wait until we see. I mean, did you expect anything more? No. Like that, that, look, he, Coach Kingsbury's a guy who, you know, when you come from the, the college ranks of coaching and the fact that he, he was a part of, a, you know, Mike Leach at Texas Tech, who uh, nowadays Mike Leach is a much more opened up coach about talk. He'll literally talk about anything. You ask him about food or candy uh, during a halftime interview, he'll talk about it. It didn't used to be that way. College coaches traditionally won't will not talk about injuries. They they just don't because they don't have to. The NFL is a little different. Everything's reported. Uh, you've got so many media sources finding out information from within teams. But Kingsbury comes from that those college coaching ranks where you really don't have to talk about it if you don't want to. That's clearly carried into his NFL. Well, coaching. some of it is gamesmanship now too. I, you know, they, they 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 will not tell the public or the media any more than they have to. You know, Kyler Murray was week to week or his day to day a game time decision. You know, way back. Right. right after the Packer game, clearly he was not. Yeah, I, but, I mean, he, he, you know, he, when you when you miss all that time, you know, I highly doubt that first game that he missed, he was really a game time decision. You know, so I think I think there's a little bit, you know, let's, let's just let, let's not tell the other team any more than we have to. So, and I I understand that. You know, there's an incessant need from the public and the the gambling public for information. I get that and fans of teams they want to know if their guys are going to play. 100%. But it, but if but if if Cliff Kingsbury could keep a Sean McVay guessing or uh Kyle Shanahan guessing or Pete Carroll guessing, he's going to do that because it's going to make their week of prep work that much more difficult. So I I, I get I get it. And, and and listen, how about Cliff during training camp when there was no injury report? I mean, he wasn't telling anybody anything. Of course. You couldn't get a word of information, a kernel. Everybody a nugget, was asking about J.J. Watt throughout all of training camp. And, and at that we'll see, point, he's improving. The guys no, he's at, working through it. Yeah, Sure, but the ten, minor thing. The, the guy's a 10-year <laughs> vet in the NFL. He just doesn't want to do training camp. Like nobody, none of these guys that have proven they can do this year in and year out. They don't really care about training camp. I mean, it's just the way it is. But when you've got, you know, Cliff's going to be reserved. I get it. You've got guys like Ian Rapoport and Adam Schefter, these analysts who make millions and millions of dollars a year for their networks, who are buddies with literally everybody in that Cardinals front office. So Cliff's like, they're going to find out about this guy's status. Why do I even need to say anything, <laughs> essentially, at that point? I mean, you know how it is. So Maybe they find out from Cliff himself. Maybe they do. I, I, I don't knows, know. Who right? knows? These guys never reveal sources. They don't have to. All I know about how the NFL works is like Schefter and Rappaport. Those guys are going to know anything before anybody else is. I mean, that's, right. just, that's just the reality of the situation. But um, the Hopkins stuff is concerning because, look, we talk about the Cardinals. The question is, are they a Super Bowl contender? Um, without those, without him, I no, they're not. Going to be real tough. I mean, I know Max Starks painted a, a a rosy picture about 
what they potentially could do or could be even without Hopkins, and they won games without Hopkins before during this season. But let's be honest, if DeAndre Hopkins is lost for a significant amount of time or the, the entire season, you know, that, that, is, that is arguably one of the top two or three receivers in the National Football League. That is one of your top weapons. That is a huge part of your arsenal. You know, to go in a battle in the playoffs, you know, ultimately p- potentially facing an Aaron Rodgers or a Tom Brady down the road and not, exactly. ha- not having DeAndre Hopkins, it's not good. And it goes back to it's that not good. the one-seed conversation. Look, I- I'm going to make a prediction. I don't think Hopkins is going to play on Sunday in Detroit. I don't think they're going to need him to go win that football game against the Lions, who are a bad football team. The Cardinals have to at least go 3-1. and one to stay in this conversation. Based on the remaining schedule of the Buccaneers and of the Packers, I think Arizona's got to be minimum 3 and 1 to still be in conversation for that one seed. So, but if, uh, but if, but if the Packers then go 3 and 1, then the Packers have They the, get it, sure. Yeah. The Packers get it. They're going to need some help. So they I mean, if you if you're talking about you need the Packers right now to go 2 and 2, the Cardinals better be thinking the, the Cardinals better be thinking about 4 and 0. Oh. And you hope the Packers and the Bucks each lose a game, but I mean, if you if you're if you're serious about the number one seed, you better be thinking four and zero. You 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 your loss, Spencer came last Monday. Mm-hmm. That was your loss. You want to lose one of your final five? It just happened. You got to go. They they've got to go four and zero. The the Buccaneers and the Packers are not going two and two down the stretch. It would really help. I mean, Sunday afternoon. Green Bay at Baltimore, if the Ravens can win that game, that would really help the Cardinals out. I mean, that that would be a huge, huge help. And then you look at Green Bay's remaining schedule. They've got the Browns at home on Christmas Day. That's the second of the, the doubleheader the Cardinals play that night on Christmas Day. And then the Vikings and then at the Lions. I mean, Minnesota can be good. I mean, they've lost literally every game they've played this year by less than a touchdown. No, the, pa- um, the Packers are not losing one of those. They're not losing to the Browns on Christmas Day. Aaron Rodgers is not losing that game. Aaron Rodgers is not losing to the Vikings. Yeah, uh, and then finishing up at the Lions. Okay, give me. They a break. lost to the Vikings earlier this year, right? So, but, but at, at, Lam- at Lambeau Field with in a high stakes game with that much on the line, I, that would be one hell of an upset by the Vikings. We'll see. The Buccaneers is a concern though, Spence. I mean, they they got the Saints, the Panthers twice, and the Jets. That's that's a cakewalk of a remaining four games. You would the, think the, uh, uh, it's tough to play this game. Well, that's a win. Well, that's a, it's because you know any given Sunday this is the NFL look what the Cardinals thought when they played the Panthers mm-hmm. like that was they were just going to roll out the ball and and win the game but you know at the same time you're talking about Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers uh in understanding the moment and understanding the critical nature of these football games it, it's they're going to be tough to beat in December with a number 1 seed on the line and home field advantage in the NFC playoffs believe me All right, coming up, we're going to get Paul Calvisi, sideline reporter for the Arizona Cardinals. We'll talk to him about some of these injuries and the state of uh, the Cardinals, as that's the guy who's very, very close with this team. That's next on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station.